up, everybody? Welcome to another jam-packed edition of the Two Buck Sports Podcast, the first of 2024, a podcast that I have needed all week. Drew, what is guaranteed to be the best year in the Two Buck Sports Podcast's brief history? Welcome to the first podcast of the year, sir. How are you tonight? Happy New Year, Buckets. Uh, man, it is nice to turn over a new leaf. You know, you, it feels like a fresh start. You know, I... Uh, I'm proud to say that I'm four days into a diet and held strong. Hey, let's go. Uh, so that's four days longer than my longest of 2023. So maybe next year for 2025, I can get it to a, an even 10 days. I don't know. Hey, we'll we see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. And I know I don't want to spend this whole podcast gloating, <laughs> but things just couldn't be going better for me right now. You know, uh, we're going to we're going to get into our best of beefs of the week here. Uh but I just uh there's something cleansing about a new year. And I know it's all psychological cuz there's nothing different about the day itself from December the 31st to January 1st, but it's just like you rip you throw one calendar away and you have a brand new calendar with 12 new sheets of paper in it with 365 days that that you know you're going to fill up, but for right now it's just blank, and yeah. there's just something kind of freeing about that. Sure. Uh, and not, I'm not by no means am I the person to try to get, uh, you know, philosophical on this podcast. <laughs> this is not a, a no. philosophical podcast. We're there just was a, there was an rednecks from North Mississippi talking about sports, but that's there was how an I episode one time I said this is not a thinking podcast. This is a sports <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we're not a thinking podcast. We're a speaking podcast, and so. That's it. Uh, we're going to do some speaking here for for another uh, hour or so. So y'all just buckle up. There's going to be lots of words in this podcast. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. I uh, uh, understand that uh, we may be getting some new listeners here coming up pretty soon. Uh, my name's Drew. This is my buddy Buckets. Rusty is his preferred name. Uh, we start every podcast with our best of the week, our Bucks best of the week, and our Bucks beef of the week. Rusty, I introed it, so I will let you pick which one you start with first. Do you want to start with the best of the week or the worst? Uh, <clears throat> let's start with the best. Let's start off on a good foot. It's the new year. We're going to start on the good foot. We're going to go into it positively, so when we talk about our beefs, maybe it won't be quite so bad. There we go. If you know me, you know it's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks. So I'm kind of digging deep to find some some best here. And for me, it has been what has been a dark period in Mississippi State football for the last calendar year, finally getting some light. Um, one Jeff Levy, uh, our new head football coach decided to make a very brilliant move as it turns out over the last week and a half. And that was to keep Chad Bumpus as our wide receivers coach, <clears throat> right? Because our wide receivers room, our wide receiver room is the best it's ever been in program history. As of yesterday, That's... I mean, it's a bold statement, but listen to this. So we've I'm got, I was going to say, it's not saying much, but oh, Bruce, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best so receiver got... I can ever think of is Daronia Eric... Wilson, and Fred Ross. Or Eric Molds. We got to go way back for Eric Molds. Yeah. But so just in the last two weeks, in the early signing period, we signed yesterday, which we signed him a couple weeks ago. We announced right. yesterday Braylon Stonka Burnside from Starkville High School, a stay at home, four star receiver. JJ Harrell, four star receiver. Mario Craver, who had an awesome Under Armour All American game, four star receiver. Three stars in San Francisco McGee, who led Mississippi in all receiving, like all receivers and uh, receiving yards his senior year last year. Three-star Ricky Johnson. We got the transfer portal for a thousand-yard receiver from UTEP, 
Kelly. I'm not even going to try to butcher his last name. <clears throat> Kevin Coleman signed today. Kevin Coleman Jr. He was the number six wide receiver in the 2022 class. Uh, been at Louisville last year. Is coming back. There's still some guys out there. Daniel Hill, a running back from Meridian, is one that's kind of leaning towards Mississippi State, a four-star running back. Drew, I'm, I'm, I'm picking low-hanging fruit here, but Cruton is going well right now. You know, two transfer portal guys like that, you know, hitting up three four-star receivers, including Stonka Burnside, who was a hot commodity, came down to state and Ole Miss and decided to stay at home, which was a big win, right? Because we let A.J. Brown leave and go to Ole Miss. And so this is a huge get. And he's already on Twitter now recruiting Daniel Hill, a couple other guys trying to get them to come to Starville in the late signing period. But in a week that I needed some wins, we had a we had a good win, and now I've got another good win in some in some Cruton news. So I know it's early; these guys hadn't put the pads on yet, but I'm taking this as a win. My Bucks best of the week is Chad Bumpus's Cruton this past week. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, you never want to play, you never want to do the comparison thing, especially not now when it's talking about when you want to talk about Cruton. You don't hear miss, many Mississippi State fans bragging about it because the whole <laughs> comparison thing it definitely pales. Uh, but that that's that's another conversation. Uh, by all hey, means, real, take your wins whenever you can get them. Because real quick, wasn't it three Mississippi State players that made a Pro Bowl this year? Real quick, State are we talking Sundays, about the NFL baby. yet? State to Sunday. You want to go? You want to play? Listen, all those high school recruits. I know you're listening to this podcast because y'all love us. But if you're listening. You want to go to Sundays? It's State to Sundays. Head to Starville, Mississippi. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> What's your best of the week? <laughs> yeah. Well, typically, my think of my best and my, my this segment here for me is is my is uh, a good palate cleanser before we get into sports. So I was not thinking sports really, but my my best of the week is sports adjacent. And uh, we just here in Ripley, Mississippi, under this roof, we are only champions here. We're Egg Bowl champions. We are League of Avengers champions. We talked about that last week. Uh, your boy has the trophy right back in its rightful home here on Water Street in Ripley, Mississippi. And Sunday, my wife clinched the Family League Championship. Right. Uh, and so in this household, we are only champions, fantasy football champions. I mean, days could not be, you know, the sun has never been brighter. The grass has never been greener. The food's never tasted so good. I mean, we cannot ask for a better time of year a better time than what we're having right now peach bowl champs undefeated basketball team walter nolan coming to the sip fantasy football league champions times two i mean tell me rusty could it get any better it can because it's had to stop getting better yet so why would i think it starts now yeah, I mean, you know, you're on a hot streak right now. If I was you, I'd go uh, to Tunica, hit up Gold Strike. Maybe we could do that this coming weekend when I come down to see you, or we could uh, uh, go buy some lottery tickets and see if we can fund this podcast officially, do it the right way, and start not only the Two Bucks Sports Podcast, but the Two Bucks Brewery right there in Corinth, Mississippi. But, yeah, I mean, the Gann family's on a hot streak. Yeah, so I wanted to to outline the heartache that my wife went through these last – it's two-week playoffs in this league. Uh, round one, she played her brother-in-law, the number one team in the league. She won uh, by four, .48 points to get to the championship round. In the championship round, she won by 1.8 points. Wow. Two-week two week matchups, both of them decided by two-and-a-half points combined. Wow. So, yeah, we were sweating it out at a New Year's Eve party at a friend's house. Uh, me and her walked in the doors and, hey, you got to put on that Vikings game because – 
uh, Todd Chandler and Justin Jefferson have to combine for 18 points. And I think they combined for like 19 and a half. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is nothing but victories here in the Gann household. Yeah. Cue up. All I do is win. All I do is win with T-Pain yeah. in the background. There you go. If we you were a high budget podcast, I would have played it. <laughs> put that in post right now. Uh, I'll see if I can get the rights for it. I don't have to pay for it. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, Rusty, tell me about your beef for the week. Man, I have Just got one. a lot. I've got, yeah. I, like, my whole life is beef at times right now. Um, I think probably for me, it's just air travel. Like, I hopped on a plane this past week and was trying to get out of Memphis, and I got delayed by five hours, and I'm having to spend a night in Dallas at a hotel that I was not planning for. Shout out to American Airlines for paying for it, but overnight in Dallas, I didn't plan for Coming back, um, <clears throat> anytime I travel, I always get this like little nasal crud, dry nose kind of mess, and I've been fighting that all week. Um, so just air travel in general right now is kind of a bummer. I want to parlay this into a best because here at the Two Bucks Sports Podcast, we believe in positivity and silver linings on everything. One nice thing about it is I was sitting next to this fella in my – I sat next to him on my first flight. He was also on my second flight heading back to Memphis. And after I told him, you know, kind of what was going on um, – I'm sitting there and the, the stewardess comes back. And he's like, ma'am, um, I need four whiskeys, please. And he gets four little <laughs> airplane bottles of Woodford Reserve because uh, apparently he flies all the time. And so he just right. got all these points. He didn't pay for them. And so we sit back here and we talk and have a little whiskey and Coke Zero. Uh, sorry, mama. Had a good time on the first flight. We sit there. At Houston. She does not like Coke Zero at all. No, not at all. <laughs> um, we sit there, and I, I really don't see him again. And the airport got about an hour layover in Houston. We hop on a plane back to Memphis and – um, I'm sitting there in my seat, got my headphones in, listening to some some Zach Bryan and Noah Khan, and all of a sudden the stewardess taps me on the shoulder and she was like, "This is from that gentleman up there." And it's two more bottles of wood for reserve. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I look up and he's giving me a big thumbs up, and so you know I kind of nodded and enjoyed those. And we get to Memphis and um, I had it was a small plane, and so we had to check our baggage or our carry-ons, and so then we had to go to the luggage carousel there at the Memphis airport and. Um, Drew, you know me and our list. Most of our listeners know me. I'm a, I'm a right. large fella. There's a lot of dudes that in this chair and I go to the little baggage carousel and I get my bag and I'm walking away and this guy steps out and it's, it's him. And he, he makes me look small. Think like, like, oh, yeah. like Lauren Massey, like big right. guy. And he steps out and we make eye contact and this man just bear hugs me, picks me up <laughs> off the ground. Like I felt like a child. He just picks me up, slams me back down and he goes, you're going to be all right. Pats me on the back of the head, and then I just walk off, and I'll never see this gentleman again. But thank you, Random Citizen, for making my <laughs> yeah. flight a little bit better with four bottles of Woodford Reserve and a bear hug at the at the baggage claims. <laughs> There's not much that can make an airplane ride better than four bottles of Woodford Reserve. So I mean, he got good taste. I didn't even, I, I didn't even tell him. He just said he said, uh, "Tell you what, hang on." He calls her over. He's like, "I'll take four bottles of Woodford Reserve," and I was like. A man of class. This, I guy, see. <laughs> this guy's about to get down. <laughs> and then he hands me two of them. I'm like, yeah. no, sir, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Yeah. And it's funny because we're the two biggest dudes on the plane. We're on the yeah. very back row, like the last two back there. And so, like, <laughs> we're worried that this plane's going to be flying kind of, you know, uh-huh. kind of us all the way there because we got all this weight net back left. It's going to be like one of those new low rider trucks. Got the back end lower down. They call it Carolina squat. And that back end was just kind of, you know, just kind of hovering all the way. There. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's my beef turned into a best for the week. Never tell you my dad's theory on where to sit at a plane on Mm-mm. a plane. Mm-mm. So my dad is not a good uh, passenger in cars, planes, nothing. He would love to be a pilot, but he does not want to ride in a plane where he's not the pilot. 
Sure. And so he always sat in the back of the plane. And I asked him one time, I said, Dad, why do you want to sit in the back of the plane? It takes forever to get off of a plane and be in the back. And he said, son, how many planes you ever seen back into a mountain? I said, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my beef is is kind of where I'm sitting right now. And I don't want to be a curmudgeon. I love having a house where it was kind of my my house growing up uh, was the house where people congregated. It was always a, a point of pride for me. And it's what I want my house to be, a house that's loud and boisterous and and uh, full of company and laughter. And, um, you know, but I'm also a planner. So, like, let me know you're coming. OK, yeah. uh, today it's Thursday. We're recording a podcast, a podcast that we take very seriously and that we have a ton of fun doing Many weeks, it's the highlight of our week, right? And uh, it's what Haley, I look it's, forward to. Haley, it's my favorite part of the week. It's not his. Yeah, yeah. Hey, baby, it's <laughs> not my favorite part of the week. My favorite part of the week is is only times when you're around, right beside right. me. Um, just <laughs> uh, and so uh, I pull up today, and I love I love my wife's family. I do. I truly do. Um, but they show up in places. And bring a whole mess of kids. And like I said, I love laughter. I love seeing my kids play with her kids. And But I'm talking like there's just no time limit to these things anymore. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't know what time they showed up. It's 7 o'clock. They're still here. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm down in the basement, in, which is also our bedroom. So don't pity me. Uh, I'm in a nice, comfortable leather chair. So, again, don't pity me. Just a little minor inconvenience, really. Uh, but it's like, just, I just, know. I'm a, I'm a man of routine, and I'm on Thursday nights. I need to be in my comfy chair, in my, in my podcast chair, at my podcast desk. All right. With, with my mechanical arm that holds my microphone, so my right arm doesn't get tired. You know. <laughs> my boy's having to shift arms left and right, left just, and right, left and like, right. I've just made mention on this podcast how i'm trying to get in better shape and lose weight but i mean this is just a bridge too far i've had to hold my own microphone <laughs> uh yeah man I, I can relate to that our house you know we we used to live right there on number two in kasuth like technically marchdown right oh, there yeah. by the airport right. everybody right. knew by, where the right house by the was. bustling kasuth airport i mean like all four planes that come in <laughs> right. in a month man um and so our house is kind of that way mama lee always put a little extra on the stove because there was guaranteed and she'd right. she'd ring that dinner bell that like, a couple extra dudes are going to show up and i can't tell how many times she'd peek my peek her head in our room and she'd be like any extra boys in here any mamas i need to let know that you're staying over the night <laughs> yeah, overnight. I know, right? uh but that was <clears throat> mama lee loved to host and so if you know mama lee that's her heart and loving on kids and um and so i can 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 confirm drew's house is very comfortable stayed there many times um nice little place to be and so I don't Everybody's blame Everybody's welcome. Russ even showed up a couple weekends ago. I mean, there's no. there's a rumor I may show up this weekend. You just never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> hey, I can't count on Rusty to let me know ahead of time though. Listen, You're yeah. always welcome. You don't have to call, but if you don't call and you show up, then just understand that there it's possible that I will leave you to do whatever I had planned. <laughs> right. And that's why before this podcast, all fair, I said, Hey, you do anything this weekend? Cause I, 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 I need to come see you. I don't want to sit up right. there by myself. I need to come see you. So, uh, we making plans and Drew got me a really nice Christmas present this year that I'm going to bring down to him. It. I have your Christmas present that I'm bringing this weekend, <clears throat> finally in the mix. And we're going to get that down there. Um, yeah. you know, shout out for getting that made. Um, but I'm going to bring my Christmas present down. We're going to test it. 
in your Christmas present, and we're gonna have us a good weekend. So <laughs> yeah, looking we go. forward to that, man. Looking forward yeah. to that. But hey, man, let's go. Let's go right into it. We've, you know, we've entertained our non-sports fans long enough. So if you listen to just that part of the show, we thank you for Mom? being here, Mom, Mama. Now, now's the time yeah. you can exit stage right if you would yep. like. We're about Mama. to talk about the Grizzlies, and That's I it. know sports isn't always your thing. Uh, listen, uh, Mama, Katie, Kayla, like these people who listen to this podcast for our banter to begin with. Again, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe and share with a sports fan. But we're going to move into our segment about the Grizz. We're not going to spend a ton of time here, Drew, because, I mean, frankly, the Grizz aren't playing super great right now. I, you know, I know you had church and stuff last night, but I watched that thing from the tip to the bitter end last night. And just I knew I was texting my buddy Micah, Micah Thomas, friend of the podcast, um, ER Doc down the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Shout out, Micah. Uh, we both at the almost the exact same moment sent the same text of we're supposed to get hurt again, aren't we? Because we were getting our butt kicked and decided to make it a game late. And we just knew like it was one of those games like I saw on Twitter last night. Like this is one of those fake comebacks. Like we're right. going to make a comeback. We're going to make it competitive. But, but you, we're know, still lose. you know, and I still have hope in these situations. Right. Because the sad how many times? I mean, John now has played. He's been back for eight games. He's played in seven of them. Mm-hmm. And in two of them has featured massive double-digit deficit comebacks in the fourth quarter. Right. Now, given they've both been against the Pelicans. <laughs> Who he owns. It, it gives you that hope a little bit. And sure. so um, I'm going to shoot you straight, Rusty. Um, we did not have church last night. Uh, I thought we did. We did have a retirement party for a coworker that there it is. decided he was going to stay at home. I knew you were uh, awful quiet. And it was at the church. <laughs> gotcha. And so, I mean, it was just church Church worked as a as an excuse. Church, church-ish. Uh, yeah, but I was home. We started the game, um, and I watched most of it. I, and ultimately, I just got frustrated. Uh, we were down, uh, let's see, do some quick math in my head, down one, down 13, down 16 going into the fourth quarter. And I watched the fourth quarter. I started the fourth quarter. And it was like the lineup that Taylor Jenkins put out there to start the fourth quarter had no defense at all. And it was instantly back up up to 20. Are you ready to have a conversation about Taylor Jenkins yet or not? Uh, Yeah, let's get there. Uh, But as a whole, all right, so Taylor Jenkins, we can, we'll talk about Taylor Jenkins, especially in relation to last night's game. And last night's game was the first time where I was frustrated with Taylor. Welcome, Uh, Welcome to the show. Well, and for for good reason. Honestly, I feel like most people have been extremely too quick to be critical of Taylor Jenkins for reasons I outlined in an earlier podcast where if you lose, it's Taylor's fault. If you win, it's Ja's fault. You know, Ja has not played well. Uh, he has not played with that. He's been sick. Yeah, yeah, he's been sick. I, I get it. And I chalked that up. So let's just go back. All right, so Ja comes back, you win. Uh Four in a row. Four in a row. Yeah. Beat uh, New Orleans, Indiana, New, New Orleans, Orleans, and uh, Atlanta? Atlanta. All right. Everything's great. Nobody has a problem with Taylor Jenkins. You're just nitpicking. You don't like some lineups. I get it. Jock gets sick, misses Denver. That's a loss. Goes to L.A. and to uh, Sacramento and get beat – or go to L.A., get beat up really badly – Come home to Sacramento, got beat really badly at really home, badly. which was a low. Uh, sure. But it was obvious Jaw wasn't 100%. He wasn't being the aggressor. You know, he is the offense. And if he is not going to go downhill, if he's if the offense is not set up for him to run, 
then the offense is not going to work. And we have hit just the absolute doldrums. We've hit the bottom of the barrel offensively. And last night was probably the most frustrating because, because whereas the losing streak started with Denver and then the Clippers and the Kings, three really good teams, you got right against San Antonio, but the offense looked terrible. And then last night against the Raptors, who coming into the game had only won 13 games, they're not a competitive team in the East, but they just made a big trade, kind of got a a bump, a morale, a more mor, uh, morality, morale, not morale, got a morale bump. You know, welcome to the Two Bucks Sports. That's podcast. it, where we butcher every got, word, man. Yeah, uh, got a, they've got life, you know. Yeah. And you just got there, and there is just nothing offensively. You see possession after possession where somebody comes up, kicks to the corner, takes a, a quick three. Everybody likes to complain about the rebounding numbers. Yes, the threes are open. Yes, we're continually missing them. And, and then you're not allowing yourself to have any sh- sort of rebounding edge or offensive rebound at all. Like right. It's just stagnant, the most stagnant, boring offense. And that's the part of Taylor Jenkins that – like you've got to figure out a half court offense. And that's what was frustrating. Like watching, you know, Darko for the Raptors last night, like he would call a timeout, make some adjustments. They'd go on a run. We'd call a timeout and then we'd come out and we'd take a three in with, you know, six seconds into the shot clock. And it's like, I know that's hopefully that's not what he drew up. And what was frustrating, I tweeted this out last night. Like when we were down five, we took three ill-advised threes in a row and Toronto didn't score. And there were there was twice that Ja drove the lane and then kicked out to, to Jaron, kicked out to Marcus Smart, and then I think kicked out to Dez on three straight possessions, and they missed all three of them when Ja was in the paint against a team who's not that great at defending the paint. They got Pascal Siakam, who's, I mean, a good paint defender, but he's not great. And we had opportunities to cut that lead down to three and then to one and then ultimately take the lead. But instead we're taking these long range shots that are not our shot last night. We could not make threes last night, yet we kept taking them. We kept taking them. And I tweeted out and said, this is going to hurt when we lose. And that's exactly right. Like we had an opportunity to take a lead on three straight possessions. We got penetration and like with a dribble drive and then kicked out for a three and missed all three of them. You know, I know those are guys that you want taking those shots and Jaron and Dez, probably not Marcus smart right now. Cause he's, he's struggling yeah, right he now, is. but like, that was what was frustrating. We had an opportunity to do what we do. Ja attacking the rim and getting some some points, getting a much needed bucket, and he could, he could we just didn't do it. You know, real quick sidebar about the Raptors though. I I cannot believe the Knicks let Emmanuel quickly go. Like that kid can He's flat good. play. The Knicks but, problem is they've got too many guards. I mean, true, you know, true, true, true. You know, but he plays the same position as Brunson. Yeah, right. But you know, also it was fun watching Zaire last night in his Toronto tryout. Hopefully. Um, had 18 points off the bench, um, finished seven for 12, four from seven from three, six yeah. rebounds. You know, he's got some, some, hopefully some life. I hope that's the film that we use as we start shopping right. him. Cause he absolutely needs to be a trade piece for us to get another big. Um, but I mean, Zaire showed up last night, 18 points off the bench is big. Well, you know? and the thing with Taylor for me, just to put a button on that is that I don't really understand what's going on with the starting lineup. So, and there's, it, he hadn't figured out rotations a hundred percent, but I feel like it's cause he can, I feel like Taylor knows what works. Like he's coached this team for five years. He's had jaw for jaw and Jaron for five years, Bane for four. We've got Kennard. We've got smart. I feel like he knows ro- what roles 
everybody works well in. Mm-hmm. But he can't. He he doesn't do a. He's not doing a good job right now of getting them in line, putting together a five man lineup that works. Right. Right. And I feel like that's because he's tinkering. Mm-hmm. He's over coaching. Sure. And maybe that's silly to think that a detriment is over coaching, but it's just like, you know, over seasoning something. Like sometimes you just got to let the meat do the work, you know. And and so last, like I don't, and I think he's trying to to let Xavier Tillman and Bismack Biombo like somebody win. Like I don't know how you go from two DNP coaches decisions for right. Xavier X. Yeah. and and then starting the next game and then give yeah. Bismack a DNP coach's decision. Like yeah. and then I know so last night you've got a problem. You're you're missing Vince Williams with a, a foot injury. You're missing mm-hmm. Rose uh again. And so, but Roddy and Conchar, your guards, only got eight minutes apiece, mm-hmm. and Zaire got 18. And I get why Zaire got 18. It's because he yeah, was a hot, hot hand, hand last night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's just, it feels like you, at this point of the season, the only thing you've added to the equation is Ja. Well, Ja was mm-hmm. obvious. Like, Ja's yeah. knows his role. Everybody knows Ja's role. So it shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't have whacked the lineups that much. Yeah by inserting jaw into the lineup. And so you've got to, I feel like he's got to make a choice. He's got to choose that it's either going to be Conchar or it's going to be Roddy or it's going to be Zaire that's going to get those minutes. And then the other two just kind of have to cease to exist. Right. You know? And so that's what's frustrating too, especially in the post-game interview. Like we're 34 games in this season and he's coming out saying, I can't get, I, I didn't get the guys motivated. We were flat. Like, 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 especially it was it was passed around today on Grizz Twitter the exit interview last year for him where he was talking about being a more of a motivator, you know, vocal coach, being up front, and then like we couldn't get a, couldn't get guys motivated for what was like as much as a of a must win on a Wednesday night in January as it could be because our schedule we fisting a run through a gauntlet and we yeah, needed I that just, win last night and I, I just don't like buy that. that was I don't frustrating. Buy that. I, hang on, I'm, that was frustrating because like yes because yes you need to get the team more motivated and that's coach speak probably cover up for some things but like some of these rotations like you were talking about like we're starting game like we're starting the fourth quarter with an absolutely no defense and they just go on a run the biggest thing is how we close out every quarter like he'll make yeah. some adjustments in the lineup and then they'll go like they ended the first quarter on like a 15 to 2 run they ended the second quarter on like a 13 to 2 run they ended the third quarter on like a 13 to 6 run and it's just it never fails we make an adjustment and we cannot sustain towards the end of the quarter and that's where we're getting behind we, we had some momentum going into halftime you know with about three or four minutes left in the second quarter we when jaw comes momentum. back into the game exactly because jaw's typical break is the last couple minutes of the first and the first couple minutes of the second Last couple minutes of the third, first couple minutes right. of the fourth. So it makes sense that in the first and third quarters, maybe you give up a run. You know, right. Right. it doesn't make much sense that at the end of the second and fourth quarters, you're giving up runs, you know? Yeah, but here um, we are. <laughs> yeah. And so there's things to figure out. I'm still hopeful. You know, regarding the Taylor Jenkins, we didn't have them ready thing. I don't ever buy that. These guys are professionals. Uh, I've said this on this podcast many a times that emotions and pregame speeches and all this other kind of stuff that coaches get a lot of credit for and everybody loves to share the pregame speech, the rally, the troops, that stuff doesn't last a whole game that high. You eventually have to execute based on talent. And, and so I don't buy that. And 
even in the on the post game show uh, last night, uh, saw clips and I heard Chris Vernon talking about it today. He said, you know, the the players didn't buy that. The players said, no, it's not on coach. We've got to play better, and that's the truth. That's where it matters. Is it seems like I don't want to say they're lazy, but it just seems like they're in a funk. Like yeah. they need to see a shot go down early. Uh, honestly, where this game was lost yesterday, you know, we could talk about rotations. We can talk about Xavier Tillman or, or Biz, whoever. At the end of the day, Xavier Tillman was by far uh, – Xavier Tillman and Luke Kennard were the, the, were the worst plus minus of the yeah. team. Yeah. But the game was lost because of Luke Kennard and Marcus Smart combining to go 0 of 9 from 3. <sighs> Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. and let's see three of 15 from the field yeah uh in a combined eight points 60 something 50 something minutes you know points, that yeah. yeah so that's where the game was lost you've got to have your role players in a role that makes sense to where they're comfortable in and kind of get in a routine Luke Kennard since coming back from injury has been a really good three-point shooter mm-hmm. Uh, he just didn't have his night last night, and he's yeah. entitled to have an off night from three. Sure. You know, sure. we're talking about three pointers, like, like you should make sixty percent of them. No, the best ones make forty. Yeah. You know, and he's making forty. It just, you know, the uh, the last night went more towards the sixty percent odds. Right. You know, right? Yeah, for um, sure. And again, you know, he, he's he's coming back from injury and he'd been hot leading into last night. And so having an off night is definitely acceptable. <clears throat> you know, again, Drew, like we, we get we talk about ad nauseum. You're right. Like the players have to play. Shots have to fall. We shot 42 threes last night, made 15 of them. Like you're not going to win a lot of games that way. You know, Toronto went 12 to 26 for 46 percent, which is respectable. Not it, it, there's a combination there, right? Like players have to play, players have to win games. We have to scheme a little bit better. We've got to figure out these rotations because so many times we put in a new lineup and the other team goes on a massive run and we just can never recover. And it's just frustrating to watch that happen. Hopefully we have some closed door meetings. We get that figured out. Um, and we'll go from there. We'll see, you know, Taylor Jenkins has a chance to turn around. We've got people getting healthy. You know, I think Vince Williams is probably just like it's foot soreness, but it was probably a rest night. Cause he's been playing a ton of minutes lately. You know, D Rose is concerning, but like we got in there as he's like Vince Carter, right? He's going to play right. a few minutes a night, right. but he's that veteran presence. We need in the locker but backup group. point guard has been a problem. It has. Like, it you've has. got to have somebody play that role. And so I'm going to, I want to kind of parlay that into, you know, there's a lot of rumors floating around. We got the trade deadline a little over a month away. Like, I, we have to make a move. Like there's just no really two ways around that. And the two glaring holes are a post. We need a big, um, and there's guys on the market. Andre Drummond, who probably could have got a lot cheaper this summer as having a resurgence. He's not a bad pickup. You know, Siakam is a name that keeps coming up. Claxton in Brooklyn is a name that I've seen a few times that I don't hate. Um, you know, Mikhail Bridges is like on again, off again, on the trade blocks. You know, maybe we could go get like a, like a, like a combination there. That would probably take a couple extra teams, but I mean, those are some names that I've seen coming up. A backup point guard would not be awful. You know, <laughs> Stones is back on the market, but we don't need to bring Stones back. I think like a big and maybe a wing, especially if you can somehow, if you can get a couple teams involved and you can pull off a trade, like if Climbing can pull off a trade from Mikael Bridges and Nick Claxton and bring those guys to Memphis, I think you would completely redeem on some of these draft misses. Your thoughts, any trades or any guys you would like to see us target? Yeah, I mean – I'm in the minority here to think that this team is good. Like, I feel like 
I, I feel like Taylor's overcoaching it. I feel like you get this, you get into a rhythm here. There's no, I still, maybe it's my bias, Rusty. I don't yeah. know. But maybe it's just my homerism. And I try to stay pretty even keel with all my teams mm-hmm. and be a realist. But I look at this lineup and I feel like it's fine. Like, yes, we need a big. Okay. Yeah. I'll say that we need to make a trade for a big. But yeah. wings, you know, if everybody stays healthy, you've got Smart, Bain, Santiago Aldama, David Roddy, Luke Kennard. Like, in that, of I just listed you off six wings, and Roddy probably won't play. So, I mean, there's your rotation like, there of guys. Yeah, that but, but, but Marcus Smart is not a, you know, he's a he's a two. We've been playing at three an awful lot. I, I get that. that. But, like, that's not his natural position. Well, I don't know about that necessarily. No, you know, and I don't think he comes off the bench. I, that's kind of what I would kind of like to see uh, is is coming off the bench, but being the first person off the bench, getting a lot of minutes with the starters, obviously. Um we need a big, uh, I'd like to consolidate. If you could consolidate and get a really good player, you know, that would obviously be awesome. If you could consolidate, I just don't know what the market is for our guys at the bottom right. of our bench right now. I mean, if you uh, watch our film, it's probably not gonna be great, <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I tend to think if you can get a really solid big man, uh, either a Steven Adams clone or somebody like, I love Clint Capella or Nick Claxton, you know, those guys, that can finish lobs and set screens and work really good in the pick and roll game. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, obviously I think that's good. I think that's one thing Jared needs to be better at is right. setting be good not. screens. Yeah. Well, yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, Off ball. He's got to, he, he's got to be a better screen setter and, and roll and pick and pop. But, um, they just, he just kind of stands on the corner, which it kind of our, our whole team does that stands on the right. wings. So, uh, just get yeah. That job's way. Yeah, I mean, I'm always in favor of getting better players. Sure. Uh, I don't have a name or two, you know. I know Kelly Olenek is like the name on Grizz Twitter right now. I think that would be a smashing success. I think it would be a smashing success. I do, too. <laughs> um, but, again, you're talking about on championship teams, you know, your sixth or seventh best player, you know, uh, which we need that. We need help underneath mm-hmm. the basket. Uh, and so, I mean, maybe uh, give me Kelly Olenek or, or put all your chips in on a Clint Capella. I mean, an Olin like a a Jod Dez, Marcus Smart, Jaron Olenek lineup is that's pretty pretty strong, man. And we've yeah, had good su- can shoot. Yeah, you know. we've had good success with big white centers and Mark um, <laughs> Marcus All. You know, we've had some some success there. Foreign centers, know, yeah. Foreign centers. Uh, shout out to our Canadian brethren there. But um, I like the Olenek trade. I like Clint Capella. That's a great name. Uh, Claxton is a guy. He's not like super sexy, but he can play. Man, he can rebound. He's not Bismack Biombo, which is huge. Um, but I, you know, I was thinking about that today. You know, I was at an indulgence today at work, and one of the things I realized is I miss watching Stephen Adams play basketball. Yeah, I miss and that. the thing about Stephen Adams, Big Kiwi, so if you're listening, man. <laughs> yeah, it was his his style of play was was so subtle that like if you didn't know what you were looking for, sometimes you'd miss it. Right. But like just his ability to set hard screens to mm-hmm. get job that that runway, mm-hmm. or you know, I loved the double screen. It was my favorite thing that Stephen Adams ever did, where he would set the screen at the top of the key, then he would roll and then screen the same guy again <laughs> for the layup. You know, yeah. like I. That's the thing is that he's a he was a good passer, savvy, high high IQ guy. Yeah. Uh, and was a just a hungry hungry hippo underneath the 
basket. I mean, that's it. And he would either either grab it or tip it out. Something that Biombo has yet to be able to do, but just his the accuracy of those little volleyball tips where he bat the ball out. Yeah, I'm not. Just I'm not 100 sure that. Bismack Biombo doesn't have Jason Pierre Paul fingers. <laughs> you, know? Like that, you know, we'll get to college football here in a second, but he's like a Texas kickoff returner with a cast back there. Like, what are we yeah. doing here? Like, he's you know, just like thumping off of one hand. <laughs> one of my favorite football players of my childhood was Patrick Willis, and he yeah. played a half a season with a dang club. <laughs> that he would just punch balls that with. That thing was a cantaloupe. <laughs> on the yeah. end of his hand, on the end yeah. of his arm. And, and that's what Biombo has, like, if he was on Madden, his catch rating would be, like, 12. Because those oh, hands, yeah. I swear, he, like, well, you know, LeBron does the whole chalk thing. I swear Biombo gets some Crisco and, like, rubs between them digits. <laughs> because he cannot hang on to a basketball. Yeah. Man. It's, it's the you wildest know, thing. I watched left tackle, uh, Pro Bowl left tackle Laramie Tunsil run a route and catch a touchdown in the Peach Bowl in 2015. Yeah. And he has got great hands. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's available in the offseason. <laughs> I mean, you I know that was that was kind of like right the urban legend when Laramie Tunzel total sidebar here. Well, Laramie Tunzel was in Ole, at Ole Miss in Oxford, said he was almost as good of a basketball player as he was a left tackle, and he is the single best left tackle I've seen play college football in the yeah. SEC. And yeah. so, anyways, Larry Tunzel, come be a Grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> we just need a big lug. That's what we missed. Like, when Steven, when Steve-O was, when when he was with the Thunder, like, you hated that guy because he was their big lug. Well, now he's our big lug. He was, and I miss You him. always thought he was a goon because you I only watched him play five times a year unless right, you met and, him in the playoffs, you know? And, and you hate him every time. When you watch him 82 games a year, it's like, this dude's irreplaceable. I mean, that's it. Like, he is the <laughs> cog to make, like, as much as our team goes through 12, Big Kiwi is just as much a part of that. Oh, yeah. Like it's showing so much. Cause last night, you know, like we got the best ever last night. And this is, a, this is, this makes me sick thinking about last night was the first time in franchise history that our big three have gone for 20 plus And we've lost, we were seven and zero going into last night when Ja, Dez and Jaron go for 20 plus and we lost in last franchise night. history or in, well, in the history season? of those. No, no, the history oh. of those. Those guys. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If I'm not mistaken. Your stat. If I'm not mistaken, it was the first time we've ever lost when those three guys have gone for 20 plus. And so. Yeah. Well, you make up for that when the other, you know, seven people on your team combined for like one for 87. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. That's that's the Grizzlies talk for that's today. Enough. Um. Sponsors, if you ever want to sponsor, this is your time. Yeah. We've got some dead space right here in between basketball and football. Uh, just imagine in your head right now that uh, we could be talking about your company for 15 to 30 seconds. Right, in front of an audience that is eager to know about your business and support you. All you got to do is hop on here and we will say, listen, this next segment is brought to you by XYZ Business. Go there for all your XYZ needs, you know, and your business is obviously going to boom. And I can promise you, coming from one of the two people that will read the ad, you will be treated as if you are the one and only yeah. resource in this vein. You know, 100%. you will be the only, the the superior product that you sell. Mm-hmm. That's how you'll be treated on this. You'll podcast. be treated like royalty on this podcast. Yeah. You will be the Bucks best of the week. That's for sure. You, you will the. The Bucks' best bar and grill, the best bar in the world, right here in North Mississippi. And whatever it is, we'll say it. It brings you our next segment, which is college football. Drew, we've had some epic college football games. You know, I'll let you get your little rant out of the way. Go ahead. Talk about uh, talk about the, the Peach Bowl and, and how, you know, Ole Miss's big win over, over Penn State. 
Yeah, I'm glad that we started this podcast with you taking, you know, your victory lap. You know, and when it comes to parades and stuff, like I'm about to talk about the ultimate parade that's going on inside my city in Oxford. Um, and you did your victory lap, which was just like a, you know, a stroll around the block here in Ripley. It's a moral you know? victory. It is what yeah. it is. You know, take your victories when you can get them. My victories are yeah. very sweet, though, because Saturday I watched my Ole Miss Rebels go to Atlanta, to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and just wipe the floor with what is undoubtedly the third-best team in the Big in the Big Ten. It's not even close. Uh, it's not even close. Now, they're not even close to being in the top two in the Big Ten, but they are <laughs> definitely number three, you right. know? And, uh, you know, they were a 10 and two team statistics said that they had the best defense in football. I know that because that's all they talked about pregame was how this Ole Miss offense would compare to this Penn state defense, uh, a defense that was missing two cornerbacks. Uh, you can't talk about bowl games without talking about potential opt outs or the people who did opt out of the game and, and it is a footnote, but it's not an asterisk because comparatively speaking to the rest of the bowl games, Ole Miss and Penn State fielded relatively a whole team. And they proceeded to put on a really, really solid football game. You know, you saw games like uh, the Orange Bowl with Penn State, I mean, with uh, Florida State and Georgia, which was just nothing. Nobody cared about. Ohio State did not care about that Cotton Bowl. Uh, Ole Miss and Penn State were two teams that cared, and that game got really sideways. I was really scared for the first two drives because Ole Miss goes three and out. Uh, there was an interception that turned out to be uh, it hit the ground, so Ole Miss punts. Penn State just right down the field, just gashing us on the ground, running right between the tackles, off tackle, however they wanted to run the football. They ran it down Ole Miss's throat into the red zone, and for some reason, James Franklin decided to start throwing the ball. And Drew Aller, he finished the game 19 of 39 for 295 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. And even those stats are way overblown compared to what I saw because he was trash. He was no good at all. Uh, and they just kept trying to get him to throw the ball. And it was fine. It was understandable late because there got to be a pretty sizable margin. But early in the game, they could have rushed the ball all day long against Ole Miss, but but Ole Miss found their footing. Uh, they held that first drive to a field goal and then got the ball back and scored. Jackson Dart had his best game as an Ole Miss Rebel. Uh, that pass rush was in his face in that first drive. Oh, he yeah. could have folded. Yeah. And props to Lane Kiffin, props to Charlie Weiss Jr., the offensive coordinator, the two of them in tandem, put on a master class of play calling against that Penn State defense on Saturday. It was truly stunning how they were able to take what Penn State was doing, and they were rushing all day long and leaving their corners exposed in one-on-one coverage. I said leading up to this, Penn State was down their best two corners, and so Trey Harris had himself a day. Trey Harris went seven catches for 134 yards, and the offense started with Trey Harris because we were not running the ball well. Dart was not able to stand in the pocket and throw the ball, but those quick, uh, quick slant routes to Trey Harris, there was three or four of them in the first two drives that really opened up that defense for the Ole Miss offense to attack. Just incredible. Uh, uh, Priestcorn, Caden Priestcorn, 
went nuclear. You know, he was the big one of the big pieces that Ole Miss retained. Him sure. and Trey Harris. Uh, you really they made it a focus that they were going to keep their guys that were difference makers on offense, and they did. Uh, got Priest Corning, and he went ten for one hundred thirty six and two. Just an absolutely incredible game. Kiffin and Weiss Jr. had just an immaculate performance on that offense. Really, the game ended up being 38-25, but that that last touchdown was late. It was meaningless. Uh, It was really 38-18 with a couple minutes left in the fourth quarter. I kind of hate to give up that garbage-time touchdown. But, but, I mean, it was was just – an amazing win and it's an amazing win for the game itself because, you know, we could have played Liberty and beaten the breaks off of them. We could have played Florida state, beat the breaks off of them. I believe we would have beaten Ohio state better than what we beat Penn state because Ohio state didn't care. No. Uh, Shout out to Missouri uh, though. Drinkwitz yeah. had that team fired up. Yeah. Um, and it is really catapulted Ole Miss. I feel like, you know, I went to the peach bowl in 14. Uh, Ole Miss got drilled. Okay, I went to the Sugar Bowl in 15. Ole Miss won that game with Chad Kelly, Laquan, Laramie Tunsil, Robert Kimdichie, that whole bunch. But winning that game felt like the end of an era. Right. You know, you were losing Laquan. You were, uh, you may be losing, uh, you may be losing Chad Kelly. You lost Evan Ingram, and and um, so it felt like an end of an era there. Now. This one felt like a jumping-off point. Like it felt like generally we were just getting started, mm-hmm. and so I don't really know where it goes from here. But I can tell you that because of that win against Penn State, a team that is their peer, which is a really solid team and a really, really good conference, uh, I believe Ole Miss will start next season preseason top seven. I'm thinking you know, maybe even top five. You know, you you look down the lineup here. You know, you're going to have Wash, you're going to have Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, you know, Ohio State. You probably, Washington may drop down because they've got Will Rogers coming in. Talking about a, <laughs> Listen, you know, to all of our Husky water, fans out there, because you know, we are downloaded uh, in Seattle, Washington, just know it's going to be a step back from Penix Jr. Yeah. to Will Rogers. And, <laughs> and uh, so I think there's a real opportunity for Ole Miss to be preseason ranked in the top seven. And it is truly playoff or bust sure, like sure. for as an Ole Miss fan to have these kind of expectations it's scary yeah you know we have a you know in 2009 I think Ole Miss started the season preseason ranked four that, that was, was Jevin Sneed, Sneed yeah Sneed, Sneed uh for Heisman, baby. and uh Houston Nutt did not handle expectations well they crumbled early underneath that boulder of expectation Lane He's been there. He's been in that Alabama system. He's been in the NFL locker room. I, I feel like he knows what he's doing in this situation. And so I'm really excited to see what that translates to next Labor Day. You know, Real quick thoughts on Quinshawn Junkins being in the transfer portal today. Yeah, so there's always been some rumors. And, and by all means, you know, transfer portal giveth, transfer portal taketh away. I told right. you I was not going to think ill of any player that left or any player that you know, I didn't want you to think ill of any player that left Mississippi State, right? Or th- that come in. Right. Uh, I don't like the I don't like the unlimited transfer rule, but that's not the conversation we're having right now. Right. Um, Quinshawn Junkins is great. Uh, he's a really good running back. However, 
there last year he kind of did this song and dance that he did this year. And what happened is, you know, you negotiate a number, an NIL number, it's agreed upon, then he wants restructured. And it's just it there came a back and forth there. Sure. That was very untenable. Uh and the Ole Miss staff ended up saying, hey, man, if you want more, go get you more and kind of wash their hands of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was best for both parties because the postmortem of, you know, once uh, it came out that Quinshawn Judkins was leaving, uh, people had a lot of tweets to fire off about background. Uh, and that kind of happens throughout a season is uh, a lot of reporters, you know, they'll unload the clip at the end of the season, everything they've heard, all rumors. And what happened was he just didn't seem to be the model teammate. You know, um, there was clips of him that came out uh, during the uh, Peach Bowl of him just yelling at offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. He was he just seemed constantly unhappy mm-hmm. with the O line play. Just just wasn't kind of the kind of person that you want in a locker room. Uh, and couple that with we've talked on this podcast before. Uh, leading up to the NFL season, the running back market is not what the running back market once was. And if you see that in the NFL, that running backs aren't getting paid as much and they're not as valid of a commodity as they once were, that has trickled down to college sports as well. Like if you have a good O-line, you've got a good offensive scheme, you can plug a running back in. may not be Quinshawn Judkins' level natural ability, but you can have an effective running back and I think that's what they're going to do. Uh, the first name that I saw that uh, hit the Twitterverse and hit my text messages regarding a potential replacement was homeboy from Alabama. Um, McClellan? McClellan. Jace McClellan. Um, again, everybody's tampering. Right. Who knows? This was, I can tell you this for a fact is that this did not come as a surprise to Lane Kiffin and, mm-hmm. and uh, Charlie Weiss Jr. It did not come as a surprise that there were, there's a possibility that there's a life. You've got to figure out what to do after Quinshawn Judkins. And mm-hmm. so I believe there's a plan. They've, they've been very systematic and very organized about how they attack this portal, and I think there's a backup option out there. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, at this day and age, like, you know – when your guys are leaving, you know who's going to be available because, like you're right, you, like you said, everybody's tampering. It is what it is. You can't cry wolf because everybody's doing it. It's just just the nature of college football right now. So, again, you don't let a guy like Junkins walk without having a backup plan. A, B, <clears throat> this could also be him trying to get more NIL money. And Ole it Miss has be. to decide: is this guy worth paying more money, or are we going to use this money to get somebody else and address some obvious offensive? I line will issues? say. I, there's, I don't think that there's a path back for Judkins. Uh, everybody's kind of went nuclear on him, and which it makes me uncomfortable because I don't like seeing that done. Ole Miss Twitter how was it, a dark place today. Yeah, but however, you know, you've kind of got these expectations now, and you're here, and you're just like, nobody's, you're at that point where nobody, no one person is going to keep us from achieving our goals. 100%. And, and in that and system, Jackson you can plug Dark, somebody in, and they'll get, you know, they'll be a thousand yard rusher in that system pretty, right. pretty easily. And Jackson Dart kind of put the nail in the coffin when he took to Instagram today to share a clip from Tom Brady at a kind of a powwow that he was doing yeah. where he was talking about how if you're going to be a selfish teammate, you can still be great and get your numbers, but you need to do that somewhere else. I'd love yeah. to play against you one day. Yeah. But that 
it just feels like it's not going. He's not going to make his way and back. And then home. Lane Kiffin was tweeting all the fish that he was catching uh, today, and so like it was, it was obvious that like everybody's going to scorch turf. He, he tweeted one that said catch and release. I was like, oh gosh, yeah, like, a little, and it was yeah. a little shark, and it was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, like you said, man, you know he's going to land somewhere he can get paid, probably at Alabama, probably Texas, somewhere like that, a big Auburn. big time program. Auburn is that where he's, he's from? Going? Montgomery. Uh, that tracks. Uh, yeah, that yeah. Uh, Auburn was the school late that tried to make a run at him, and that was going to be Harson, I guess, was coach at that time. Yeah. He was a good recruiter. He, no he He's looking for someone to change his reputation right now, and for them to go steal Quinn, in their opinion, steal Quinshawn Judkins from mm-hmm. Ole Miss, that will give them a, uh, a boost to their ego that Auburn That's loves mean. more than anything sure. else. Sure, that tracks. Well, hey, listen, man, we spent enough time on that. Like, we had some epic college football semifinal games. First of all, you know, I went one for two. Uh, I picked Alabama to beat Michigan. I thought they beat them handily. I was wrong. But I called that Washington game, man. Michael Penix Jr. proved me right. Uh, had a monster game. Made some epic throws. We'll get to that game in a minute. We'll start with Alabama-Michigan. Alabama played that game not to lose, and that's exactly what happened to them. They were very vanilla. They were very conservative. They didn't really stretch the field a ton, and they could have. But the biggest thing that was impressive to me was Michigan's defensive line absolutely whipped Alabama's offensive line all the way up to the last play when J.C. Latham got blown up by that Coastal Carolina transfer into Jalen Milrow and tripping when Milrow had an obvious path to the left that he had just noticed before Latham was put in his lap. Right. You know, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Michigan's defensive line showed up and won that game. And you like don't they won see that. And they, like you said, you I don't just see that say, against an Alabama no, team. Michigan won the trenches. And like I could probably count on one hand how many times I've watched an Alabama game since Nick Saban's been there and they've lost the line of scrimmage. Right. And that happened. In and that it's typically time. against Georgia, you know, 100 yeah. percent. But Michigan so, whipped them in the trenches. Yeah, Michigan was very impressive. Statistically, they looked like mirror images of each other, if I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah. Uh, Alabama had less than 300 yards of offense, and Michigan didn't have much more than 300. Um, I think Alabama just got exposed as frauds this year. Uh, and I'm not talking about going forward, but this team was deeply flawed, and you saw it early in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milrow masked a bunch of that with his athleticism, but a good plan and – he was just completely useless on that team. A couple things that Alabama, the last couple of years, it seems like they've had problems that Alabama teams have not had in the past. And that is with penalties, uh, boneheaded mistakes. If Alabama were to have gotten that, if, if Milrow runs that in on that fourth down and goal and say they go for two in fantasy land, and win it right there, which is what I was telling my wife. I was like, dude, I'd go for two here. Go for the win. You know, mm-hmm. um, if that happens and Alabama wins, there's only one person that deserves a game ball in that game. And that is Will Riker because mm-hmm. that dude is absolute stones. I'm going to read you two critical drives that Alabama had. So first one, Alabama is down seven to three going into the half. Uh, that it's third and three from the Michigan 25 with 24 seconds left to go in the half. Um, so right here, you know, incomplete pass and you're kicking a 42 yard field goal. Yep. Instead, Milrow gets sacked. Will Reichert bails them out by kicking a 50 yard field goal, sinking it. Okay. Flash to uh, the fourth quarter. Bama's up 17, 13. 
you know, it's a let it's a touchdown game. If things get squirrely here, Michigan can go score, win instead of tying. Third and nine, Milrow gets sacked again on a critical third down, and Will Reichert kicks a 52-yard field goal to put him up by seven. If he doesn't hit both of those, they made it, gave Will Reichert the hardest field goals possible. Right. They they could have been much easier situations, but instead Milro gets sacked twice mm-hmm. to put to force two fifty plus yard field goals, and they and it without them without Will Rockert they have no chance. Right, especially in years past because Nick Saban has struggled to have a decent kicker. Yeah, I've, my whole life all I've heard is imagine if Alabama had a kicker. You know, well, they got one now. Uh, and and just to show that you know you you see them lose a the game in the playoff in that fashion. And it makes you go back and look. Like, Alabama should have never been in this situation to start with. They lose at home to Texas. And then they go to Jordan-Hare and have the most boneheaded win of all time. They should have lost that game eight times against Auburn. They should have never been in this position anyways. They 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 are a two-loss team. Mm-hmm. That's what they, they numbers should be. If you take out – if Hugh Freeze – takes his head out of his keister yep. for five seconds. Yeah. If if the Auburn punt returner does not muff that punt and yeah. then give Alabama the ball back and then give Alabama back the ball again with a fourth and 35. Yeah. And then they play and they only rush a two. spy and rush two people. Right. Like, Alabama should have never been in the playoffs. And I blame Auburn for this. Like, Michigan has been the ultimate heel. Harbaugh is the perfect guy to root against. There's no doubt that 90% of America is rooting for Washington come Monday night. Uh, But Alabama just had no – SEC should not have been in this at all. And and I guess you can blame Travis – Jordan Travis's ankle for that. Yeah, I guess so, but – um, I, again, giving credit where credit's due, Michigan won that football and they game. They tried to lose it too. They, they did, did man. They, they did. They tried they, to muff it. I they thought did. they were going to give up a a muff punt touchdown yeah. to lose the game right there. Yeah. And you know, and what's bound to be a vacated national championship if they do win? Like credit to Michigan for finding a way to win that football game. Vacated titles are still titles, Rusty. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With Connor Stallions in the in the stand, which yeah. was one of the best things that came out of that, was him. He is playing this look. very well. Hundred percent. He, is, playing this so he well. is like he's got a future in the WWE as a heel because yeah. he's playing this so well. And, um, I, and I it can was just likely, imagine like the confetti coming down on Harbaugh Monday night, and him just. Do you remember when the Patriots won the Super Bowl the year of Deflate Gate and all that? And it was like the look on Tom Brady's face when Goodell handed him the. Mm-hmm. The tro- the Lombardi Trophy, and it was just like he might as well have just given him double birds right to his that's face. It. But that's what Harbaugh's going to do if they win Monday night. Because you know, and he's then going he's going to gonna bolt to the NFL. He's yeah. going to go to the Chargers, hundred yeah. percent. Um, to quote the the great Michael Scott, it's going to be a lot of smudgeness when he gets that trophy. Um, I, I think he means smugness. See, smudgeness right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but absolutely, he's going to give him that smirk, and he's going to hand it to JJ McCarthy, and then he's going to ride off to the San Diego chargers and that's what i was about to say what is likely harbaugh's next to last college football game before he rides off to the nfl got a big win over nick saban got the monkey off his back because that's always been the mo with michigan right this is their third straight year in the college football playoffs right. and the first year they didn't get the, the brakes beat off of them right um, so uh 
but that takes us to the nightcap, which was just as entertaining. We oh were so gosh, fortunate game. to have two incredible football games because in years past, you know, you're, you're, you get one good one typically, but rarely do you get two that are just absolute edge right. of your seats the whole game. And that and Michigan, were. I mean, that uh, Washington <laughs> Texas game was exciting for the exact polar opposite reason that right. the Alabama Michigan game. I mean, Mike right. Penix, have yourself a day. I've been a day one with Penix on this podcast. I mm-hmm. love him. Same. And you're talking about it. You know, you may take Caleb Williams for his upside or Drake may, but give me Michael Penix, 10 100%. out of 10. He's got, I mean, he took Indiana. Strength. He's got the, he's got the build to last. He's not yeah. Bryce young. I was wrong uh-huh. about Bryce young, yeah. uh, but he's got the build to last in yeah. the NFL and just his accuracy and his yeah. anticipation. There was, I mean, th- he was throwing, he was throwing receivers open. There were two throws that I remember. One, it was like a 16-yard gain for a first down where it was a corner, and he just threw this kid open like right up, right against the sideline. But that go-ahead touchdown where he threw that absolute frozen rope down the middle of the that, field, it didn't get oh, but like – yeah, yeah, it didn't get but like six feet off the ground and was probably 100 miles an hour. And I think it caught him more than he caught it. But right. Penix Jr., and I love it being here in Martin. There's so many UT fans, and I made sure to remind all of them that he was a UT commit that Jeremy Pruitt did not want. He went to Indiana and had them beat Penn State and beat Michigan and had some big games and almost Loose beat Ohio State. Yeah, well, um, had a massive career there, <laughs> transfers to Washington, and only gets better. And so, Drew, we get to our picks here in a minute. Spoiler alert, I'm high on the Huskies, man. They, they That defense looked really good against Texas. I mean, Texas scored some points, but – they stepped up and made some big plays. They kept Quinn Ewers on his heels and made him nervous all night. He had and a good game. Texas did, had but, a good game offensively, but, but Penix was the deciding factor. He was, he was so good. And then it was cool to see that corner, and I and I had his name earlier, and it's leaving me now, but he gave up the touchdown to Adonai Mitchell, and then um, uh, Washington scores to go ahead, and then goes oh, up, swats that, that ball in the first row, so made fun. a play, man, just like, shout out to that kid, because... Like, why like, do people not do that more often? I mean, he like... He literally like, just he, jumped right beside him and swatted it. I mean, like He, he reared <laughs> back like grandma and just come from <laughs> East Jerusalem, <laughs> slap that ball into the first row, like, like you're supposed to defend that. I mean, that's it, playing grip <laughs> ball and like just couldn't have defended it better to make up for himself so again man shout out to Washington for just finding a way to win and what was an epic football game yeah it was a great football game and it was I mean I just can't say enough about Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. he was so good in yeah. that game and um, before we pick the games just a couple quick shout outs that I had I wrote down uh, that just wanted to to talk about uh, Nico Iamaliva is awesome. Oh, from Tennessee. That he's awesome. Truth. Uh, and I hate to say it, but he's awesome. That kid's and, the truth. He, he and, took a minute to settle in, and then Iowa, like, people kind of, like, disparaged Iowa this week in the clinic. Like, Iowa's defense was not the problem. Their defense no, is no, 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 no. And they abs- he absolutely cooked a Big Ten no. defense. And, that, and I don't know if that Iowa team was checked out. I don't know the roster situation going into that game, but that Iowa defense is great. Their defensive coordinator is great. And – Nico torched him. I mean, yeah. so props to him. It was impressive. I was impressed by it in a bowl season, which I didn't watch much of. Yeah. Um, Garrett Nussmeyer from LSU. Yeah. Was really good. He's been sitting. On, he's one of those rare college quarterbacks that has been a backup and sat as a backup for several years. And I'm hoping that LSU gives him a shot because man, he was good against yeah. Wisconsin in that. I guess that was the Gator Bowl or the former Gator Bowl. What was it? The Reliquest. Reliquest that we won last year against Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
So, yeah, I mean, those two guys really stood out to me. <laughs> bowl season as a whole is just kind of whatever. Like, not a big bowl guy. Everybody's on podcasts and talk shows wanting to talk about what you do with bowls going forward. I don't really know the answer to that. It's not going to be a topic on this podcast, but uh, it's just not made for very good football. Uh, you know, I've seen that they're talking about, like, Kirk Herbstreit made a really good argument that I thought you would appreciate, you know, the bowl games are just kind of watered down because you get a ton of six and six, five and seven teams that are getting in there. Right. Like you have your 12, your 12 games as the bowl games. And you do like maybe five other ones that other teams can play for. But really like, especially now in today's college football where everybody's opting out and transferring right. and doing all it's, these things, it just kind of waters it down. And then you but get that's games the like, problem. Then you get games like Georgia, just absolutely just emaciating Florida state on a live right. TV. Well, that the pro you just said the problem the problem this, isn't the bowls the problem isn't the six and six teams it's that everybody uh oh my esteemed colleague froze right mid thought but i think he's trying to get at it. it's like everybody is you, yeah. you froze like mid thought okay there, so yeah i uh, can't i thought you froze so i kept talking so I, <laughs> we may just uh, on the on the garage band we may just be talking over each other i'm just gonna minute. go ahead and apologize. I, sorry listeners if yeah. you're still here listening to us at this point we're sorry for the audio issues yeah so uh, what I was saying is that the transfer portal has ruined it. You know, you should have, you should not be able to transfer as many times as possible. But right. I don't like that. Uh, I know that that infringes on athletes' rights nowadays. But both can be true. You should have the you. I understand that you have the you know, the ability to make money, and you should have the ability to change jobs as many times as you want. Right. However, it does make the bowl suck. So yep. which one do you want more? Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. And so I think there's, you know, there, there's some changes can be made either way. But all in all, we had some good bowl games, you know, Georgia, Florida State, Liberty, Oregon, notwithstanding. But for the one of the first times, I truly think outside of Georgia, right, outside of Georgia, um, um, they got the, the top four right. I mean, they really did. Outside of Georgia. Georgia was one of the best four teams in college football. Alabama's probably one of the best five teams in college football. That'd be the only beef that I had. No, I felt like they I got the top think, four teams. I think they got the top four right. Yeah. Because you look at the outcomes. You know, you can use revisionist history now. Uh, and sure. you saw the two semifinal games. Like, that was the right call. Georgia right. did not deserve to be in there because they lost to Alabama. Sure. You only got four teams. Like, right. And who, I, that's who, what I'm saying. Who do I'm you knock the best out? four teams, like not the most like like justified, because that's what they got. Like Alabama beat Georgia, Texas beat Alabama. They needed to be there. Florida right. State got left out in the cold, but your quarterback got hurt. That sucks. Right. Then you looked awful in the ACC championship game. Um, you I'm, know, it sucks I'm just, to suck. I'm glad there's 12 teams next year. 100. percent Like we're done with the four team. I don't want to talk about it anymore. 12 is the right number. Let's see what happens, because there would have been some epic matchups this year. I think we'll get the same um, next year. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all for it, home field playoff game. Let's go. Let's go. Um, yeah. So, uh, Rusty, you got any other college football things you want to hit before we wrap this podcast up for the week? I don't think so, man. I think we kind of covered all the bowl games, all the necessary topics, you know, really appreciate it. And again, if you are a uh, sponsor and you're looking to sponsor a segment, you could sponsor our outro right here. We have some great exit music that we could play and talk about your business right here as we wrap up this podcast. And thank you for being our sponsor and talk about how great your business is. Yeah. And so everybody, uh, we've got some big news coming down the pike. I mean, we've saved it till the end. Best year. We're not going to say anything more about it. Uh, we've got buns in the oven. Uh, and not, neither of us I, are pregnant. 
not us. My <laughs> wife is. Yes. Uh, but uh, we've got some huge things coming for this podcast, something that we've been dreaming of, we've been hoping for, for three calendar years now that we've been doing this, about a year and four months or five months or so. Uh, and so we're really excited to bring that to you guys. We'll be, we will be bringing it to you in the next few weeks to a month. Uh, but in the meantime, continue to download our podcast, the number two buck sports podcast on Apple, on Spotify, find us on Instagram, find us on Twitter, the number two buck sports pod, um, interact with us. We love to hear from you and until next week, Rusty play our music. Let's go. Enjoy it, buddy. We'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys. Three, two, one. Thank you.